Well, good morning, St Paul's. It is great to be speaking with you this morning and to be continuing our journey through Ephesians into chapter 5. I do believe that there was a wry smile on the face of the vicar when he gave me this passage a few weeks ago, but actually I'm so excited to be sharing with you on this this morning, um, these wonderful verses that are so rich and have so much to offer us. Dale explained um, last week he expanded on the section that Paul begins in Ephesians on our instructions for living, what our lives begin to look like when they are lived out of relationship with Jesus that is built on grace. Knowing that we are loved by him, our behaviour is changed. Which brings us to the next part of this passage this morning that is addressed mainly towards our behaviour specifically in relationships with others. And Paul, he expands on um, verse 18, which is where he says, um, be filled with the Spirit. And then he goes on in verse 21, which is where we start this morning, and he says these words, he said, submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. And these words are the foundation that he is to build on as we move through these verses, that as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ submission. This is not a word that we use very often in a positive context. To submit means to give ourselves over into someone else's authority, to yield ourselves, to entrust ourselves under someone else's power. My parents would tell you that submission is not an action that has come easily to me. Um, I found out just a few years ago, one of those things that you find out as you get older when your parents tell you about when you were younger, that one of their parenting strategies when I was growing up, particularly when I was a teenager, is that if they wanted to influence me in the way that they thought that I should go, that they would suggest the exact opposite because they knew that I was then likely to end up doing exactly what they wanted. Paul does not suggest that as a strategy in these verses, I should just say, but it seemed to work all right, I think. I think this stubbornness is slowly being worked out of me. My new boss will be pleased to hear. But I know the inclination of my own heart to struggle with this concept of submission, to yield to someone else, to give over control, to humble myself toward another. And on some level, my guess is that we all struggle with this. And actually, because it has been this way, since the beginning, since the moment that we stood in the Garden of Eden with God. And he said to man, he said, everything that's mine here, that is mine here, you can have. But you mustn't challenge my authority. He said, you mustn't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we chose a different way. We made a choice to elevate ourselves to a position of authority, to think of ourselves as Lord and Master of our own lives. We want to be in charge. We want to be in control. The human choice to rebel against God didn't just break our relationship with him, but it set us against one another. We rejected God's way, and we chose to be the centre of our own story. We live in a culture that is obsessed with the self. We literally have apparatus that is named a selfie stick. We have designed entire brands around living my best life. We are encouraged to speak my own truth. And as Frank Sinatra once sang, 
we do it my way. And maybe the fact that I just referenced a singer from the 1940s would suggest that this isn't just some new 21st century phenomenon. This is an age-old condition of the human heart. We don't like the idea of relinquishing control to another, of yielding our heart for the sake of someone else. And yet, with all this control, with all this authority that we hold, this self-governance, something isn't really working Over the last year, domestic abuse has risen across this country by 9%, with a fifth of all crimes now being recorded as related to domestic abuse. Vulnerable young people at risk of being trafficked and going missing has risen over the last year, with one report now sharing that unaccompanied and refugee children are 30 times more likely to go missing than their peers. And statistics would suggest that loneliness is reaching epidemic proportions with one report stating that two-fifths of older people state that the television is their main company. Our relationships with one another are very often not the way that we would have them be. Relationally, we see brokenness all around us. And many of us will see it and will have experienced it. And although these verses this morning might be seen to have practical implications for the way that we might conduct our relationships, actually the bigger, deeper, far more profound truth that Paul is eager for us to grasp is that when we put our trust in Jesus and choose to follow him, we are invited into a better story. One where we are not the centre of the story, where we are not always in control And a story that might sound scary and uncomfortable, but that the Bible tells us is actually the way to life, to an abundant life in all its fullness that is meant to be lived in relationship with one another. Paul begins by telling us that for those who are filled with the Spirit, if Jesus is king of your life, if you have let him come and dwell in your hearts and we walk in his way, then he says our relationships with others will be radically transformed as a result. And much like Dale shared with us last week, Paul is not writing us a rule book for what nice Christian marriages should look like. He's not trying to tell us what nice Christian children should look like. And I know that these passages may well sometimes be used in that fashion, but Paul takes the example of marriage, family life, and communal household relationships, mainly because they were the most prevalent and relatable relationships of his culture but he uses these examples to point us towards a better story, a different story, how knowing him and walking with him will transform the way that we do life with other people. And actually, it is whilst talking to the husbands that he really begins to start exploring this. Husbands, he says, love your wives. Excellent practical advice, by the way. I'm sure we would all agree, especially the wives this morning. Love your wives, he says. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, that's the church, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her, the church, to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, I think sometimes it is good for us to remember, church family, that with all our mess and all our division and all the places that we're imperfect, 
Jesus really loves the church. His church that is made up of you and that is made up of me. And what Paul wants us to understand is that the love of Jesus that gave himself for us means that we no longer have to strive or worry about being the centre of our own story. We don't have to compare, we don't have to envy, we don't have to hold on to our own story because Jesus has made us the centre of his. The one who had the right for everything to all be about him chooses to make it all about you. He willingly chose up, chose to give up his right to power and authority and he places himself into human hands. Interestingly, into the hands of an unwed teenage mum. He entrusts himself into vulnerable relationship to those who would have raised a few eyebrows. The creator allows the created to hold him, to touch him, to challenge him, to reject him, eventually to abandon him. Paul writes this to the church in Philippi. He says this about Jesus, that though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. God makes himself nothing. He comes to us in all the fragility and brokenness of humanity. He becomes Emmanuel, God with us. And he comes to dwell right in the middle of us. He chooses to make his home with us. He makes his one big crazy mission all about us. He spends his perfect, glorious heart on us. His submission to the Father and in obedience to the Father, to us, cost him everything. Most of us are scared of what submission in any kind of relationship will cost us, what it might require us to sacrifice. Our plans, our hopes, our dreams, our comfort, our independence, our freedom, our money, our time. And then, of course, there's the simple fact that human beings are imperfect, which means that this can go wrong. We know that humans will hurt us. I remember years ago working with a, um, a vulnerable mum uh, in the charity that I used to work for, and I gave her hours and hours of my time and emotional energy only to find out months later that she had been lying to us about some really big things for a really long time. And it was hard. What might it cost us to place ourselves into the hands of others? How do we do that? Why should we? A few years ago, a friend of mine had just had her first baby and uh, she was out and about and I can't remember the word for this, but you know when mums will know when you have your newborn babies and you hold them in like the pack on the front of your body. And uh, she was uh, out about on the bus and as she was getting off the bus, she slipped on the step, newborn baby, on the front of her and she fell smack on top of her baby, just face down onto the pavement. Um, and she didn't know she'd done it at the time, but as the ambulance came, and actually they were both fine, but she had instinctively, as she fell, scooped her arms underneath her baby so that she took the full brunt of the fall. And she was telling me that later on in the evening, she was so in shock she didn't really feel the pain at first, but later on in the evening, as she was sort of 
washing the grit out of her wounds and the skin had just been ripped off her arms and she was just sort of wiping and cleaning everything up. She felt the Lord whisper to her and she felt like he said to her, that's what I do for you. That's what I do for you. I will always, always take the fall for you. And it's my pleasure to do so. You see, to love like Jesus is risky and we might stumble and we might slip. To submit to others carries a risk. But when we are held in Christ, when we journey close to his heart, we can rest assured that he has already taken every fall for us. And for those of you listening this morning who may have been wounded by relationships, who read these words and feel like saying, I have tried this and it didn't work. Be found in him this morning. See his hands that stretched out for you and took the nails. He says, give me your pain. Give me all the places of disappointment, the places where it doesn't feel fair, the places where it's gone wrong. And know that he will do that for you again and again and again. And it is his pleasure to do so. As Paul writes in verse 29, he says, No one has ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. His longing for us is that we would, like a wife to a husband, be made one with him, so that not only would we live in the fullness of the victory of the cross, our lives held in and covered by his grace, but also that we together, church, would be being built up into one body in him. A body that moves towards those that he loves, that carries out his mission, that points people always back to him. And if we're truly yielded to Jesus, if we can trust our lives into his hands, into the greater narrative of his story, then the life that he calls us to live will always be one of submission in love to those that the world would call the least and the lost. Because that's how he loves That's how he comes to us. The king of the universe washes our feet. The only perfect and holy one enfolds himself into our mess and our brokenness. And so he calls us to do the same for one another, for our neighbour. That's what love looks like to him. And if we are those who are found in him, if we are to walk closely to his heart, then that is where he will lead us. This is the kind of love that he longs for us to have for one another and for those around us. And I really felt when I was preparing this morning that the Lord wanted to say to us, don't be afraid. And I heard that for myself just as much as any of you. Don't be afraid of what it looks like on the outside. Don't be afraid of where it looks tricky and scary to go. Don't be afraid of what it might cost you to submit to one another in Jesus. I love that uh, the exercise that the children are doing this morning to carry out this week. Let's practice saying yes to one another and not be afraid. Knowing that we have all things in him. To love like this is how we know him more. How our relationship with him grows and flourishes. My friend Nico says that when two people get married, he says they start like this. I don't know if you can see that on the screen. My arm's stretched out. They start like this. He said, one person's over here and one person's over here. And the purpose of their marriage is that they will spend their life going like this. So that the end goal is that they end up here together. 
The writer Lauren Winner says that marriage is designed to tell a story to the entire church about God's relationship with and saving work among us. Because the story is that from the moment Jesus makes his home in us, we are one with him, but that the trajectory of our hearts often begins over here because we still want our own story. And part of the process of learning how to submit to Jesus and how to submit to one another, to others, of walking out our relationships in this way is that it moves us closer to the heart of God as we choose to love one another submit to one another, trust ourselves to one another, helped by his spirit, we grow to know him more. We begin to love him more. And we become more like him so that our stories, our lives, will tell his story to the whole world. Amen.